Hello, and welcome to another episode of Passion for Passions. This is my podcast about the soap opera passions. So, this series has been going on for a while, and it is time to get into another batch of episodes. The episodes I'm going to be covering today are 267 through 274, kind of a random bit of episodes, because it was kind of like a, a lot did not happen... But there were, like, it was, it was kind of focused on a few key plots um, and developing them, kind of, but really just kind of spinning the same wheels over and over again. Like, maybe their writers were unsure of where they want to go with any of these plots, so they just keep kind of doing them, like, not with no progression almost. <laughs> Which is fine, I guess. It's a soap opera. It makes sense. So there's a handful of things going on, and I may miss something because I was kind of a little, a uh, little bit uh, dull feeling with these episodes. So I might not have been as you know intensely watching at all times as normal. But we had a couple things going on. There was a lot of drama related to Ethan from multiple vectors, really, from Ivy and Sam, as well as from Teresa and Gwen and Gwen's mother, who I can't remember the name of, who I hate, even though I've barely ever seen her. I already hate her. So, of course, there's Gwen, who's come back and is still on edge due to her mother's pestering that she must never leave Ethan alone, otherwise he's going to cheat on her. Because that's a great, you know, thing that you're looking for in a, a partner that you're going to marry that you can't trust them. Um, so, there's a whole thing where Teresa comes back to the house despite being told many, many, many times to not, of course. She's never going to stop. And she's in Ethan's room, talking to him again about her love. She wants to hear Ethan confess to her. But uh, Gwen walks in, unexpectedly coming back where she was already there. And just like, hey, I want to, you know, just say I love you and talk to you a little bit. But Ethan's acting super suspicious because he's like at the doorway, won't let her in. So Teresa hides in the bathroom. Gwen comes in. Teresa makes a noise, which is silly and dramatic, but uh, Gwen does not find her in the end. She just leaves happy. But Teresa's basically like, you need to choose effectively. And Ethan has been pressured in multiple ways. You know, he's got this marriage that's coming up, which sounds to his parents, to everyone in the family, it's very much like a merger rather than a romantic marriage. And, um, but he needs this to happen. His family needs this relationship to happen, this marriage to succeed. And Ethan feels that he cannot be like his father, a man who's with multiple women. He needs to be, you know, true to his word of marrying Gwen. But he does have feelings for Teresa, and he's clear. He says, you know, he has feelings for her. He says it to Sheridan. He says it even a bit to Teresa. So he says he knows he has emotional feelings for her. And that he, even though he does, he doesn't want to pursue them. And he seems to be trying to distance himself by being logical, by saying that Teresa's just infatuated with him because really she loved, uh, not Chad, she loved uh, whatever the guy's fake boyfriend's name is. And that's why, you know, being dumped by him, she's now just putting her emotions all over onto Ethan, which is a very logical assumption to make. And so he's saying that as a way to distance himself 
that yes I do have feelings for her but really she does not truly love me for me she is just pushing her feelings for someone else onto me and it's it's a really I guess kind of smart that he's thinking this but it's wrong we know it's wrong um Teresa wants to tell him the truth that she never had a boyfriend oh his name was Chuck yes that's right but even so she cannot because Ethan is like guilt tripping her effectively he's saying you know you're the most honest person I've ever known there's no way you'd ever lie to me or make something up you're so sweet you're an innocent I hate when he says that you're an innocent um but because of that she cannot come clean with him in that moment <laughs> oh boy so it's you know he's still got that will here won't he thing going on but Ethan is still just trying to say, you know, you're my friend and that's all we can ever be. So, whatever. What can you do? Um, there's fun moment because Teresa seems to finally give up. I mean, she's given up like this before, but she seems to have given up again. She has a little fantasy of becoming a nun, but realizing, no, she could never live in a, con a convent because that's not the kind of girl she is. <laughs> Uh, and then there's a bit more of drama because Gwen, her maid of honor, gets sick and can't come. So she's like, oh, why don't we invite Teresa as a maid of honor? And I think the maid of honor is like a very important role in a wedding. So to just suddenly be like, hey, why don't you do it instead uh, when they weren't intended as the person seems a bit odd and, you know, bad. But also Teresa is like gonna be extremely upset. She can't do this. You know, seeing the man that she loves Mary right in front of her eyes you know up close and personal but Teresa actually does change her mind she says yes I will go so we'll see what happens there I mean the wedding's not happening it's coming up clearly um, if this girl being sick right now means that she needs to find a new maid of honor uh, but yeah the wedding is, is still on the way of course there's Ivy who has relationship drama going on with Ethan and Sam because she previously revealed that Ethan is Sam's child to Sam. But um, she realizes this was a really bad thing to reveal because, for one, it could jeopardize Ethan's future entirely. Because what has happened just now, as Julian continues to fumble, his father is like, you know what, you suck. I'm going to make Ethan my heir instead. I'm going to skip a generation and go straight to Ethan. So that could be great news currently for Ivy and Ethan to, became, to become the uh, patriarch of the Crane family. However, all of this will come crumbling down if it becomes revealed that Ethan is not a Crane, that he is the product of Ivy and Sam, that if Julian had that information it would change everything because then he could fight back and say, Ethan is not even a crane. You cannot give him, you know, that role. And I believe the senior crane would agree. So that's a huge blow if that comes out. Ivy finally realizes the error of her ways and is desperate to keep the secret. Julian almost finds out dramatically because uh, Ivy's stupid locket, which he keeps on her despite being so such a terrible thing <laughs> for uh, for her to keep on her person because it's so incriminating falls on the floor it's open it's got the picture of Sam and a baby which before we had only seen the Sam picture we hadn't seen the baby picture I don't think but anyway yeah 
that falls. Nobody finds it, fortunately. But it could happen just so easily. And also, apparently, Ivy has, like, a folio of documents that prove the link between Sam and Ethan. So she gives it to Pilar to hide by taking it to her house. Um, which would probably be a fine idea, except for the fact that, of course, Teresa is at uh, Pilar's house. And Teresa's in love with Ethan, but, of course, Ivy doesn't know this. Why would she? Um, but anyway, she takes away the folio in, like, a briefcase... Or an attaché case, I guess, to be more fancy. Um, and so Ivy thinks she's maybe okay. Sam comes to the Crane Mansion like twice to be like, Is Ethan my child? Over and over again. He's a man possessed. And it's like really weird stuff going on because also in the Bennett household, everyone's like, Oh yeah, Ethan looks like he has Bennett features. Um, mothers are like, No, he doesn't. Like, why would you have this discussion? That's so freaking weird. Like, apropos of nothing. Obviously, Sam, you know, is thinking these things. But to bring that to the family to also think about it is, like, awkward, to say the least. Anyway, Sam is basically dogging after Ivy constantly. And she's telling him, no, he's not our son. I was just delirious. And also, um... Sam finds out that Ethan was born nine months after Ivy's wedding day, which fits the timeline because, of course, when she got married, she didn't go to Julian. She ran away and went to Sam. So this, you know, tracks perfectly. So Ivy has a really good excuse, which I thought was like, wow. You know, props to the writers for coming up with a logical excuse, which is that she says basically um, she had Ethan early. He was born at eight months instead of nine months. So that would make sense that, okay, there was a different time at what point that she got with Julian and they conceived the child instead. So Sam will not just give up with that explanation. He goes to the hospital to find the birth records. Of course, Ivy's also there. Eve's also there. Um, and Ivy asks Eve to change the information to make it say yes. Um, that this was a premature child. And so when Sam comes and asks Eve, she doesn't show him the birth certificate. She just pulls it out and like holds it close to her face. And she says, yes, Ethan was born prematurely. And so Sam is like, whoo, okay, he's not my son. You know, although he still could be even with a premature excuse, really, because actually, no, I guess not, because it is purely nine months. Never mind, never mind, excuse me. Um, but even with that, Sam is still not entirely convinced. He's not sure. He's not 100% certain. But he would like that to be the end of the story. So yeah, there's the drama there. And there's someone else who would benefit if uh, it comes out that Ethan is not a crane. And that is Teresa. Because when she's all, you know, moping that Ethan cannot be with her because he's got to be with Gwen. Because it's like a marriage, but it's also a business, you know, relationship thing going on. She's basically like, oh, if Ethan were to crane, then we could be together. Oh, drama. And of course, we, the viewer, know Ethan is not a crane. And Teresa is like, I'm going to leave. Um, so she goes into the closet and finds Ivy's attache case. And all the papers go flying out. And this part, Teresa is looking at them and is like, Ethan? Why are the papers about Ethan? But apparently she doesn't get to read any of them because she doesn't really know what they're about. And um, Pilar like scoops them up and takes them away before she can find out. 
But I do wonder if because of that now Teresa is going to like be wondering and want to seek out those papers and read them because yeah, hopefully she does do that because I want to see. I'm I'm curious if Ethan not being a crane is going to come out anytime soon or if that's like something that's years and years away. You know, I don't know. Uh, but I really love it if it could come out soon because I'm very curious about what kind of fireworks that were produced for everyone involved. You know, because for one, Gwen... Gwen says she loves Ethan. Seems to care to some degree. But she was... But if he's not wealthy, if he's kicked out of the Crane family, does she still want him? I don't think so. And I'm just being honest, I don't think so. Because she's a very business-oriented woman. Yes, she loves him, but I'm sure she would rather be with someone else who's got that business clout. Um, I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. But that's my thought. And I feel bad about that. But that's what I think at this point. Because it doesn't seem like Gwen loves him truly. It doesn't seem that he loves her truly either. Um, it's just like that they've been knowing that they're going to be married anyway for so long. That they've just kind of accepted it and enjoy this relationship that they do have. Well, whatever. We'll see what happens there. Um, there's a very annoying plot that's still going on with Hank. Which we do get final confirmation. Yes, he is being told to assassinate um, Sheridan. He is someone who the FBI, I guess, would be looking for. But they didn't have information on him yet. Um, and it's like, why why but either way hank he keeps you know fighting this urge he's like he doesn't know what to do should he kill her should he not kill her he doesn't want to kill her but he he feels at times also that he just has to um and this kind of comes to a head because the um, people who are blackmailing him basically say if you do not kill her we're gonna kill someone in your family so this is the Bennett family we're talking about here. And they're going to first target Kay. And in my mind, I'm like, good, kill Kay. She's cause of many problems. But um, obviously Hank doesn't want her to die. He really likes Kay. You know, seems like they've got a lot going together because they're both jerks, <laughs> effectively. But he doesn't want this to happen, obviously. But even then, he's still not sure, you know, should he kill Sheridan to save Kay? Or what should he do? But he's one thing he's not willing to do is talk to the cops. That is not on the table. At all. So he talks to Sheridan about this as a hypothetical like a situation that his friend is in. And Sheridan basically says, no matter what, you have to protect family first. Basically telling Hank, yeah, kill me. It's fine. Um, but he doesn't kill her. He doesn't try to kill her, at least not yet. But we seem to be getting closer to the point where he may try to do something. If I were Hank and I need to kill Sheridan, I think what I would do is somehow try to make it look like she was killed by the assassin, which is not you. Or that in your attempt to kill the assassin, you inadvertently kill Sheridan by shooting her instead and chalk it up to a horrible accident. Why can't Hank think this way? 
I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess he hasn't said he hasn't said one way or the other what he would do after that. Um, but he just obviously doesn't want to kill Sheridan, and that's fair. But anyway, those are my thoughts, and I don't know what's going to happen. I assume he's probably not going to be able to kill her. Somehow, he's not going to be able to kill her. Um, because I feel like she needs to stick around to continue the, Mig- the Miguel, uh, to, continue the, to continue the Louise plot. So I don't know. But I don't think she's going to die. And I'll be sad if she dies because I like her. Okay, on to Grace, who doesn't really do much except for a certain part in this, these episodes where she picks up Talitha's pendant and when she wears it, she becomes a total bitch. And I love it. I love it. Because you never see Grace act this way, really. There's very few instances where she gets to act mean or angry. And so seeing it, it's like, yes, Grace, be honest with yourself. You are not the perfect saintly wife. You are a human being who has emotions. And sometimes you're going to get mad. Um, so I appreciate that. Also, when Tabitha comes over, she's like a jerk. But then also she starts glowing because Tabitha tells like she reads her dream. There's a Grace had a dream that her husband Sam to this woman with a, who was like wearing a shawl and had a baby. So Tabitha reads the dream and says, basically, this means that there's another woman and uh, she had a, a child with your husband. So Ta- uh, Grace like flips out, starts glowing, starts speaking in the evil, you know, voice modulated voice. And then starts choking Tabitha, lifting her off the ground, even with one hand. It is awesome. And this, you know, double proves if you didn't understand why Charity was so strong at choking Miguel, that when you're wearing that pendant, you are control- you have like serious power and serious strength, not just magical powers. So yeah, she almost chokes out Tabitha, but Tabitha lives in the end. Um, but I was like, yeah, that was fun. The pendant comes off. Katie like takes it for a minute, but then it ends up in uh, not Grace. It ends up in Charity's possession again. And what happens with Charity when she puts it back on? While well, the kids go to the beach, we see Miguel, who I haven't seen for many episodes. So I'm like, well, thank God he's back. I didn't want him to disappear or get switched up for another actor. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so they go to the beach, and Charity is like alone by the fire. It gets super huge. And she sees her mother, Faith, in the fire. But her mother is being scary and weird and telling Charity to embrace evil. Which is a great phrase. But either way, Charity's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Like, why are you telling me to do this? Is this what you mean, mother? Um, And the kids come back and they're like, what's up, Charity? Because she's just staring intently into the fire. And uh, she basically is like, I saw my mother in the fire. And people on the kids are like weirded out as they should be. They're like, do you see and talk to your mother often? And it's just like, oh my God, why does nobody help Charity? Like, I mean, okay, they did take her to the hospital once, but now they're just like, they just gave up. They're like, okay, you're just a freak and you have some real issues going on and we are not going to do anything about it. We're just going to live with it. Like, that's so weird. I guess you can't like keep having her go to the hospital. I don't know. Like, could you say maybe take her to a therapist? I don't know. Anyway, just a weird thing, and I don't really know what happened there. But clearly, you know, Charity is being primed to do evil. And I am ready for it to happen. I want to see some tragedies befall Harmony. One thing I know, because I heard it somewhere, like on a podcast or something 
is that apparently there's like a typhoon or or something that hits the town of Harmony at some point. And I'm going to assume that's all Charity's doing. But I don't know when that happens or if I misheard it or misremembered it. But it sounds cool to me. I love that. I want to see all, all manner of natural disasters hit Harmony. Earthquakes in New England. Uh, wildfires in New England. I want to see it all. Tornadoes. I don't know if there's tornadoes there. Tornadoes? Give it to me, you know? Um, so that was another plot bit. And of course there's Chad, who spontaneously started acting really injured again. Um, it seemed like he was fine, generally, because he was able to go to the prom and swim and everything and make it out okay. But um, now that he's back at the book cafe, he's like clutching his stomach. And his little, his, his big band-aid on his stomach is all bloody now, meaning his wound has torn open. And um, he even leaves blood on the book cafe, which people are very concerned about, which I would be too. Like, for one, why would you just leave that there, that chair with blood on it in circulation? Hello, it is the 90s. Actually, is it 2000 now? So people should know you don't want freaking blood in your establishment. Because that could be very bad if someone, you know, gets that blood inside them somehow. You never know, you know, what's going on with someone's blood. Obviously, I don't think there's anything going on with Chad's blood specifically, but that's not a good look for a store. Just have a chair with blood on it. Um, so either way, um, Chad just stays home and he's very hurt, clearly. He can't even get out of bed, effectively. He can barely do anything. So, what happens? Whitney is like, I'm going to come over and just check on you. But being as they are, the most stubborn people in the world, Chad does not reveal to her that he is hurt. He pretends he's totally fine. And Whitney believes him. And she's like, I'm so stupid. Why did I come here? You know, like, I guess I'll leave then if there's nothing wrong. And it's like, oh my god, there is something wrong. Why don't you pursue it further? Um, but Chad doesn't want her to know. He doesn't want anybody to know because he doesn't want to go to the hospital again because he won't be able to pay the bill. And I get that. I get his perspective. That is such a valid and true perspective that many people have um, where, you know, you don't have insurance or you have really bad insurance. So you will avoid going to the doctor um, because you can't pay you know, because we have a horrible healthcare system here. So that's so true. It's not just Chad doing this. This is something that people face every day, even today. Um, but for Chad specifically, I feel like he should just go anyway because he, you know, he being around these people in Harmony, he should realize by now that they are so disturbingly kind that they will help him, you know, that they won't make him pay the bill or whatever. Um, but of course, he's too stubborn. He won't let them do that. So it is what it is. But I hope Chad goes because really, if if like that wound opened up or somehow related to the the boat business, like that could be majorly infected. He was in the freaking ocean. Okay, the ocean is not freaking clean. Um, so he should go before he like dies. But again, I don't think Chad dies because, as I found out from uh, Passion's podcast. 
that there are multiple chat actors. And therefore, since I've only seen one chat actor, he's going to stay alive for a while, at least until there's the second actor. Um, but yes. I also wonder how they introduce new character actors. I guess they don't. They just like pretend that nothing happened, which I guess is also how it happens in uh, other shows like um, Bewitched, I think they did too. And I mean, other shows do it, but like in that show, they didn't really acknowledge it, I don't think. But I don't remember. It, uh, anyway. Those are the main plot threads of this, this series of episodes. And I'm hopeful that the next episodes will be like more dramatic and forthright and something will conclude because we just keep stringing it along. Just like, here's this thing that's going to happen, but maybe it's not going to happen. You know, like right now, are other people going to find out about Ethan's birth? Or is Hank going to do anything? Or is he just going to keep dramatically fighting with himself about what to do? Is Charity going to embrace evil or not? You know, all of these questions. Is Chad going to go to the hospital or get really hurt? More seriously, no one knows. So that's where we are at the moment. And I'm looking forward to more episodes to find out something, anything, please. <laughs> so that's all for now. We'll be back with another episode soon.